We're in a series. We're in a series on heroes and villains. And we've probably just been looking at the paradoxes of human nature. Isn't it amazing how we can be like brilliant and not particularly brilliant all at the same time? Um, Sometimes in the same day. Come on, who's ever started really well? And finish and think, I just want to get to tomorrow, start again. And sometimes it's the other way around. You know, you start badly, but who's ever ended well? And it's a little bit of a paradox. That's a little bit of a picture, I think, of all of life. And we've been looking at Bible characters. And and sometimes we look at Bible characters and we only tend to focus on, you know, the good bits. We, We tend to edit and just lift up the hero side. And what I'm doing is not trying to pull down Bible characters, but just show the reality. Just show the fact that these were people just like you and me. They were normal people in extraordinary circumstances and allowing themselves to be used by God in amazing ways. And we can do exactly the same. So that's where we're at. We're looking at heroes and villains today. I want to look at Peter, the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' original disciples, one of the inner three. Remember last week we were talking about the inner three. We looked at James and John. Well, Peter is the next guy in that trio. And so we're going to look at him as a hero really, really quick. Cool? You ready to go? Have we switched gears yet? I mean, I'm trying to. I'm still trying to get over Hudson Hogg in the pulpit. But like that, that was not Fletcher. Fletcher, that was the maker of arrows. Sorry, that's that was great. Um, so let's step into this right now. Peter the hero, one of the inner three. So someone that Jesus saw something in that he actually wanted him with him, both in the highlights, like raising the the, the little girl from the dead. And also the Garden of Gethsemane, some of the darkest moments of his life. These were the people that Jesus wanted in it. And Peter is one of them. So he saw something in Peter. Here's another thing about Peter the hero in Luke chapter 18 verse 28. uh, Peter says to Jesus, we've left all to follow you. And he's talking about all of them and they all did. All the original 12 left everything to follow Jesus. And so he left all no matter where they ended up they really did start with this revelation of it's going to take everything to follow Jesus and they did that and they gave their aside from Judas they gave their lives away for the sake of others we are only here today sitting in church preaching the Bible talking about Jesus being inspired because they chose to give their lives away from, from, for others. And Peter is in that category. He left all. He lived selflessly. And it's quite a contrast from what we often see in our totally individualistic, entitled world today. I think our world is groaning under the pressure of individualism and self-centeredness. And yet you actually see in Peter... The ability to give himself away. And it wasn't just to Jesus. That's where it started. Have you you noticed that if you've been following Jesus a while? You give yourself away to Jesus first. Then you realize that he's actually calling you to give yourself away to others. How do we love God? By loving people. And so Peter is a hero. Left everything. Totally selfless. He's fiercely loyal. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 33, Peter speaking again, which is another whole sermon. 
Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Here's Peter affirming his fierce loyalty. If everyone else falls, I never will. Have you ever felt like you're the only real Christian in the room? No, not you manifested sons of God. Of course you wouldn't. We all have this streak of pride in us sometimes where we, comp- we fall into the comparison trap where we think we're the only ones really doing it, we're the only ones really dedicated, we're the only ones really full on for God, and this is Peter. Now, he is fiercely loyal. It's so well-meaning, but it's also so self-deceived. And I think sometimes we're tempted to think that way. You know, Elijah felt that way, great prophet of God. In 1 Kings 19, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me too. This is Elijah's lament. In other words, I'm the good guy. If you could put it this way, the church is a mess. It's not dedicated like me. I'm the, they're shooting the messengers. I'm the only good guy. And now they're trying to kill me too. And honestly, if some of us don't see some of the parallels in that with current circumstances, then we haven't got our ears and eyes open. But what does Peter's experience say to us? It just proves the folly of thinking you're the only one. Of course, God answered Elijah back in the day. Oh, I've got thousands actually, mate. You might think you're the only one, but I actually have thousands who've not bowed the knee to Baal. I've got thousands that are every bit as dedicated as you. You're just feeling like the only one who's really committed. So it's just pride when we think that. We owe our faith to so many faithful ones who've gone before us, who've got us this far. And in all honesty, our eyes, we can't afford, especially at this point in time, for our eyes to be on ourselves and how things are affecting us. We need to have our eyes on how we passing the baton to the next generation. How are we making sure that because we've lived in this moment of time, others will live into the future with the same experience of grace and mercy and love that we have found in Jesus Christ? That's the question we've got to ask ourselves. But for Peter, uh, you know, he was ready. He was ready to go all the way with Jesus. He was even ready to die. So a couple of verses later on, verse 34 Uh, Jesus says, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. You know, just, just for a moment, often we miss Peter's heart because we focus on his failure. We'll look at his failure in a moment, but, but often we miss his heart. The fact is, Peter was all heart. He was, and I've got no doubt, you know, think about it yourself. How often have you gone like, I just, I am so determined to get this right. I've made a fresh decision. I've made a fresh commitment. I've recommitted myself. I'm going to get this right. Only to find that, you know, a few days or a few weeks or whatever later, you find yourself right back where you started. 
I think the Bible puts it this way. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Peter's like, I'm ready to die. That's how far I'll go with Jesus. But we know that it didn't really end up there. And the fact is, it often doesn't end up there with us either. So we can relate to Peter, can't we? But you know what? He's a hero because he's all heart. He's leading with his heart. You can't knock him for his motive. You can't knock him for his motive. And I think we're often the same. We have great motives. Problem is, we're not judged on what we intended to do. We're judged on what we do do. We're not judged on intentions. We're actually judged on the way that we live. So let's look at Peter, the villain. Because, you know, you look at Peter, ready to die, got the strong faith confession, I'm fiercely loyal, I'm going to go all the way with Jesus. Which makes the next moment in his story all the more paradoxical. And it's obviously Peter the villain when he denies the one he loves. In John chapter 18, beginning verse 26, it says, One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? And again, Peter denied it. This was the third time he denied Christ. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow and Peter knew that he'd blown it he goes out you know just terribly distraught knowing that he denied Christ and we look at it we go Peter 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 he didn't see it coming remember his confession I'm full on I'm in there I'm there to the death Peter didn't see it coming you know if you didn't know this story before you read the Bible and you were reading the gospels you wouldn't have seen it coming either You would have been going, wow, what a dude this Peter is. He's just in there and Jesus got him in the inner circle and he seems to be at all the high points and he's making these confessions. He's making these commitments. I mean, what a guy. And then you get to this part of the book and you'd be like, what the heck is is going on there? But isn't it just us? Is it just me? I, found, I can talk a good game. I can talk a good game. I can make the commitments. I can have all the best intentions in the world. But just like Paul found out, sometimes I know what I need to do, but I don't find it in me to do it. And if you're honest, you, you know that this is just humanity. This isn't just Bible characters. This is us and this is the power of the scriptures when we look at people even interacting empowered by almighty God walking with almighty God are still a fairly dysfunctional mob you just realize that um, it's pretty amazing God continues to use us that our own faults and foibles don't really shock God He's been there before. You might be sitting there going, oh, but you wouldn't know I've failed. I mean, what is, the, what is the modern version of denying Christ? I don't know. Is it not speaking up in the marketplace? I don't know. I mean, when I was first discipled as a young Christian, that was sort of the thing, you know, if you don't speak up for Jesus, it's like denying him. I, I, I don't know so much. Um, I, I know this, that the Apostle John says that it's impossible for you to say you love God unless you love people. Jesus put it this way, 
the, the greatest commandment is to love God, but the second is just like it, to love people as yourself. And so, so really the whole of scripture, the whole thought is that we love God by loving people. So how do we deny God or disown God? Possibly it relates back to our actions towards others. You know, I, th- I think in one sense, if, if we were to participate, for example, in gossip, we're actually denying the work that Jesus wants to do in us. We know that God wants to bring us to a place that's, that's a higher road than that. Take a higher road. You know, James put this, this this way. This is a paradox. This is a contradiction. How can you with the same mouth bless God and curse men made in his image? It doesn't make sense. And so how do we deny Jesus? Maybe sometimes it's denying what we say he's done in our lives. He's restored me. He's saved me. And just understand what that word saved means because I think as a church we've had a poor definition of that. It's come to sort of mean who's in and who's out. That's not the biblical usage of the word. If I wanted to look at the biblical usage of the word, I could, I could string it out and say this. The moment you get saved is when you give consent to God to work in you on an ongoing process of reformation, restoration and wholeness, bringing you back to the original image you were created in so that you reflect the image of your Father in heaven and not a lost and broken world. So when we deny Christ, if we're going to be just like Peter, what's denying Christ? It is, it's participating in gossip. You're actually doing the Peter. And it's in all of us. You know, if you participate, like, okay, not the gossip thing, but participate in unkind sledging of someone on social media. Is that what Jesus would do? Is that how he would handle this? We can actually deny Christ by our actions in the way that we treat others. And conversely, you know, look at an old figure from history, Mother Teresa. No one could argue that Mother Teresa didn't display her love for God in the most tangible, practical way. How did she do it? By serving others in in dramatic fashion. She showed her love for God. So as much as we can look at Peter and say, Peter, what are you thinking? We can actually look at ourselves sometimes and go, what was I? What was I? Who's ever deleted? Come on. I know not everyone's on social media, but who's ever deleted a post or a comment they've made? (laughs) Because you realise, well, okay, now that it's out there, uh, uh, am I actually adding value to people? Am I lifting people up? Am I honouring someone who's made in the image of God, even if they don't believe what I believe? Am I doing that? Or am I actually denying the fact that Jesus is restoring me and making me just like my Father in heaven who makes the sun to shine on the good, the bad, the ugly, makes the rain to fall on the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever, because there's no partiality with God. Okay, I'm so glad the story doesn't end there. Now that we're all... I'm so glad the story doesn't end there. I've just got a couple of minutes to talk about the end of the story. John chapter 21, verse 15. Now remember, we've just left Peter. You know, if I read the whole story, Peter left in tears. 
after he denied Christ the third time, the rooster crows, he realised this is exactly what Jesus told me would happen. I've made all these commitments. I've put myself out there. I've let my mouth take me and write checks that my body was not prepared to cash. And then we pick up the story in uh, John chapter 21 and uh, the boys had gone back to fishing. Jesus had been crucified. He's now raised from the dead and he comes to them. It says, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Jesus. Or yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, as you would imagine. Do you love me, he said. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I've always loved this story. I mean, the the irony in it that Peter has denied Christ three times. Jesus restores him three times. It's almost like Jesus is saying, for every time you denied me, I want to give you the opportunity to reaffirm those first affirmations that you're, you know, the checks your spirit wrote, but your body could not cash. I want to give you the opportunity to reaffirm that. Do you love me? I love you. But here's what's interesting. What did he give him to do? It's, it's, It's almost like, Peter, you can say it, but now I'm going to give you something practical I'm going to give you a a task that your body can actually fulfill. If you love me, feed my lambs. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. And once again, we've got this emerging theme. Loving God points all the way back to loving people. We know he wasn't talking. Jesus did not have a flock of sheep, okay, just so that we get that straight. He's talking about people. Lambs, maybe the less mature, the beginning, the new to the discipleship path. And Jesus is saying, feed them for me, Peter. The sheep, the ones that, you know, have been around a bit longer and maybe they're productive, maybe they're more mature, but feed them for me, Peter. If you love me, do something to show it. And I'm not expecting you, you know, to stand, get back in that courtyard and say, I shouldn't have said, I I just want you to take it from here. I love this about this restoration story. God doesn't take you back to the point of failure and make you fix it there. He meets you in your now and gives you a pathway forward. Here's how you can just love me. You are so desperately torn because you denied me in front of people. It was such a public failure, but I'm going to give you a way to so publicly express your love to me that they'll be talking about you Peter in 2,000 years Chris Mulhair will be standing on a platform talking about how I restored you and how I pointed you towards people towards people and I, I, I just love it there's just so many elements we're just like Peter in so many ways 
so quick to commit at times, so quick to speak of commitment at times, whatever. But uh, there's a bit of a villain in all of us when it comes to follow through sometimes. And yet Jesus, you always find him the same. He's always restorative, meets you where you're at, gives you a pathway to continue to grow and love and develop. I mean, man, don't you love Jesus is all I can say. I've always loved Peter because I've always related to him. Just always related to him. Peter's always encouraged me because it's like, man, you know, if God can use Peter, he can use me. If God can use Peter, he can use you. You can be a tool in his hand. You can be life for other people. I think God says, Jesus says the same thing to us. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Come on, you love me. Let it shine with other people. You know, when you've paid a price to follow Jesus, and I know many of us have. You know, I remember as a young young believer um, in a group of mates that I'd sort of been a big part of. We'd all been a big part of one another's lives. But when I started following Jesus, I was pretty well rejected in that group. Over the years, God has given me incredible opportunities. I've married some of them now. I've buried some of them now. I've preached the gospel to pretty well every one of them now. But you know, you pay a price to follow Jesus. When you pay a price and when you commit with all your heart. Come on, have you ever been on an altar where you're committed with all your heart? And then you find yourself failing. Find yourself in some way, on some level, denying the work that Jesus is doing in you, that's a difficult paradox, isn't it? That's a difficult paradox. So I'm going to ask us two questions, just two today, and I'm going to give us an opportunity to respond to them. First one, if you believe you love Jesus, how is that love translating into serving others? It's a pretty simple question, isn't it? But if you believe you love Jesus... If you would confess, I'm a, I'm a lover of God. I, Jesus is my saviour and I appreciate what he's done in my life. Then why don't we just take stock of where is that flowing out? And I'm sure for the, the great bulk of us that is happening. But not bad to stop and take stock. Where am I feeding lambs and feeding sheep and expressing my love for God by loving people? Second question is uh, are there past failures you've been unable to let go that you actually need to bring to the feet of Jesus today? Because I think what I've wanted out of this series as we've talked about heroes and villains, what I've wanted more than ever is for us to just never give up, never stop moving, never get in a rut where you just let life take you out and you're sidelined And I think sometimes people get there and it's feelings of failure and I've let people down and I've blown it and it's it's irreparable. And maybe some of those situations are irreparable. But friend, all I'd say is Peter says to us through through this story that, that maybe some situations are irreparable, but your life is not. Your life is not. Maybe for the it might be for you for the first time ever. Where it's like, what do, I, what do I need to come and lay down? 
at the feet of Jesus. Maybe it's actually your heart. You know, maybe it is pride. Maybe it is arguments or whatever. But what do I need to do to lay it all down at the feet of Jesus? Um, and as I said, it might be for the first time for you. You know, I've just what I've asked Michelle to do is prepare a really simple song. It's an old song. It's a really old song. When I talked to people about it this week, I thought anyone over 40 would know this song. I found it was probably everyone over 50. Um, but I think it's got great lyrics that would help us to respond. Just help us to respond. What do you need to surrender to Jesus this morning? Peter, Peter came back and around a campfire, Jesus restored him, gave him a path forward. I think God wants to do that for people today. So would you stand with me today? We're going to put some lyrics up. Old, old songs. Pretty simple. I'm just going to encourage you. You know, you can just keep your eyes closed. You know, you might not think, well, gee, I, I'm not a good singer even if I did know the song. That's okay. Let it happen in your heart. But if you know this old song, would you sing it with me? Just really, really simple. All to Jesus I surrender all to him I that's it just with their eyes closed just right now you know if they're just things that have burdened you things that have stalled you things that you feel like you you can't get past come on Peter got past denying Christ three times and went on to feed us to this day you need to get past that thing that moment whatever that was that label I just want to encourage you, just lay it at the feet of Jesus and let him have it this morning. Come on. All to Jesus I surrender.
and laid down things that were heavy today and rolled them onto you and are going to walk out feeling lighter and fresher and full of energy and purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, can we thank Pastor Chris? That was just a really encouraging, really encouraging thought today. If you're here this morning and maybe that's not been your experience, um, can I just say it's as easy as just saying, I just, I'm, I just want to open my heart to Jesus and give him a go. And if you'd like to do that this morning, we'd love to empower your journey. On the way out, you'll see our Connect team and they'd love to give you a gift. We give you a Bible this morning and that's just to empower your next, next step. And there'll be people there that you can talk to and that can help you with that. So that's amazing. I'd encourage you to do that if that's you this morning.